0: I want you to look in your book, if you would, to uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 is where I'm going to talk to you from this morning uh, for a few minutes. I guess uh, the simplest way, and I'm going to bounce back and forth between these uh, pages, these two pages here, and uh, just talk to you. And I want you to look, if you would, in uh, chapter 2 and verse number 18. Chapter two and verse number eighteen. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, the Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, the reason uh, that we're here today and tomorrow and have been these few days uh, to encourage people to give uh, to worldwide missions. That people who have never heard, never heard a preacher, never seen a Bible, know nothing about the saving grace that you have provided for us so graciously in this country. Now I pray that you'd help us to be uh, generous, help us to be sacrificial, help us to be involved as deeply and sincerely as we possibly can in this giving to God and to God's work your work around the world and we ask it in Jesus name amen now I want to speak to you for just a moment today I want you to look back to chapter 10 excuse me chapter 1 in verse 10 chapter 1 and verse 10 it said she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore then look at verse number 20 Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And then look at verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the gift that grows. Now, Hannah prayed for something. There's three verses right there that talks about her prayer in regard to having a child. I'm, I'm assuming you know the story. Uh, she had a wife-in-law by the name of Penina. I have no idea why those guys in the Old Testament thought they ought to have more than one wife. And we talk about Solomon being the smartest man or the mo- man with the most wisdom. I have... I don't believe that. I mean, to have a thousand mother-in-laws, God help the poor man. But there was two wives here. The one wife had children. The other didn't. Penina was, uh, productive in that realm. And so Hannah prayed. She desired a child. And uh, in regard to this faith promise or, and I'll talk about it tomorrow more, uh, I believe in faith on purpose. As a man purposeth in his heart, so let him give. is what the Apostle Paul taught us. But there must be an initial gift. You've got to start some way, somewhere. You've got to get involved in this thing of giving beyond your tithe, over and above, out of the abundance perhaps. Uh, out of uh, what you feel like or know that God... Would have you to give. And so she asked of the Lord. And I think you ought to pray about it. Between now and tomorrow when uh, the giving will be represented or presented. uh, What you intend to do. There needs to be some prayer. So obvious. That whatever you give, God has already given you so you can give. You can't give what you don't have. I mean, uh, I was a dumb kid. Uh, Johnny was dumber than me. But we were just dumb kids. And my dad had a mission conference. They had a card to fill out. And I was so stupid. I should have put John's name on it. But I put my own name on it that I was going to give a million dollars. To missions. Number one, I didn't have a million dollars. Uh, I've never had a. If you took all my wages together so far, I don't think I've made a million dollars. Uh, and I put it on there and boy, my dad was very upset. You know, they were reading those things off and they look and, and if I have put John's name on, I'd have been free and clear, but I didn't do that. You give what God gives you and what you promise, you make a... Look at what she said in uh, verse 11. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. She made a promise. God, if you will give me, I will give you. Now, I, I think initially one needs to give of himself. I, I think one needs to give of great value and even great sacrifice. I was in church one time. You know, I really, uh, I want to use a nice, uh, despise. Despise. <laughs> That's the nicest one I could think. I really despise a pastor or any, or a preacher who is the hero in every story that he tells. Uh, Because most of us, we don't bat a thousand in uh, the realm of being heroic. But I've, I've, I've known pastors, every story, they did this, they were great, this was wonderful. They, I don't believe in that kind of foolishness. But I was in church one time. And the pastor got up and he said, uh, they had a missionary in Ukraine. And these precious people, I don't know who they were, but they uh, had a child that had come down with some illness. And uh, when he was just child, just three or four years old, and there in the Ukraine, uh, back in those days, this was probably 25, 30 years ago, And even today, it'd be worse if you were in the Ukraine. Uh, But uh, the child died. They couldn't, the medical uh, profession there was not able to handle the problem. And so the child died. They buried that young baby, uh, three or four years of age, uh, somewhere in a cemetery in the Ukraine. Well, they had another child that come up, uh, had the same disease, came down with the same malady. And so... Uh, Instead of burying this baby there, they had decided to come home, leave the field, bring it to America where hopefully they would get some medical treatment that would save this child's life. So the pastor told that and he said, so we're dropping their support. I was, I, it, it it made me, I got mad. And after the service, I went, uh, no, during the service, Sandy was there. During the service, I just raised my hand. I said, how much do you support these people a month? He said, $50. I said, and I don't know why my wife never carries a checkbook at all. We leave it at the house. That's the safest place for a checkbook, <laughs> but she had it with her. And uh, I said, how much she, he said, $50. I believe it was. Let's see, August, September, October, November, December. It was August. I said, I will have my wife. She's got the checkbook in her purse. Now I'm going to have her write a check for $250. And I want to take care of that missionary support for the rest of the year. That pastor just fell on the pulpit and just wept and cried and said, okay, we'll do that. My soul, if you're ever going to help a missionary when they're in trouble, they don't need to be dropped. They need to be encouraged. And I don't know if I really had $250 extra money, and I'm not the hero in that, but God help us. Listen, sacrifice is a part of Christian service, something we ought to do. Look, look in verse 21 of chapter one. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice. They did it every year. If we had the time, and I don't, to talk about all the sacrifices that the children of Israel, all of the offerings, they didn't just give once. They went at least three times a year to the temple with different sacrifices and offerings. It's not giving according to what you can afford, but maybe out of the abundance and the blessings of God upon your life and pray about it. I would encourage you to pray, to pray as a family, to pray as an individual what God would have you invest in worldwide missions for the next year. Young people can do it. I don't know if you give your kids an allowance. Uh they ought to tithe off the allowance. Uh, they could give the missions off of that allowance. Uh, young men and l- young ladies, young ladies could babysit, young boys could mow lawns, rake leaves, whatever, to make a little money, uh, to have some extra, to invest in the work of God in regard to missions. Sacrifice is such an important part of our giving. Hannah prayed, About this initial gift. I read a book. uh, uh, I don't know. Probably 25 years ago now. I don't know if John sells it on the book table or not. But it's a story. It was such a compelling story. Of John Patton. John Patton was one of 11 children. Of James and Janet Patton. He became a pioneering missionary. In the South Sea Islands. In uh, the Pacific Ocean. He was a product of prayer. I don't know. This is not a. This kind of a conference. But I'd like to just put it in parentheses. Mother and dad. You need to have. Family altar. At your home. You need to have family devotions. With your children. I read the entire King James Bible. Out loud. To my boys. Over the years that they lived in our home. I probably did that because I figured that they might not do it the rest of their life. They need to get through it at least one time. But read the Bible and pray with your children. It's such, you have those kids just with you for a very short time and they're gone. Those boys marry girls. Those girls marry boys and they're gone. They're gone out of that little household of faith that God has given you. They're they're a tremendous investment, these children. This is what it said in that book. He said, I was a product of prayer. My father at evening had devotions with our family. And he said this. My father would take us into the presence of the living Savior. What an investment. What a statement. Oh dad, he took me to the ball game. Oh dad, he took me to this. He took me to that. But to take your children into the presence of the living Savior. My soul. My soul. He said the cry. For the conversion of the heathen and for the needs. uh, It was impressed upon John Patton's soul. Forty years later. John wrote this of his departure from home. In his early twenties. The train station was 40 miles away. From where they lived in Great Britain. He said this and I quote. My dear father walked with me the first six miles of the way. His counsels, tears, and heavenly conversation are fresh in my heart. Tears are on my cheeks as freely now as then. Whenever memory steals me away to that scene. The last half mile of the way we walked in silence. My dad carrying his hat in his hand as was his custom. And his lips moving in silent prayer. His tears fell fast when our eyes met each other and looks for which all speech was vain. In time, he grasped my hand, said, God bless you, my son. Your father's God prosper you and keep you from all evil. He said, in tears, we embraced as he parted. I watched through blinding tears till his form faded from my gaze. Now rewind a moment. Two missionaries went to the New Hebrides in 1839. John Williams and John Harris. They were both killed and eaten by the cannibals. Patton said this. The islands were baptized in their blood. Christ was telling the world that he claimed them for his own. On April the 16th, 1858, John Patton, 33 years of old, of age, his wife and child sailed. They landed in Tanna in November of 1858. That first night, he said was horrid. There was a spring nearby. Two different tribes had come and fought through the night. Their blood filled that Fountain that spring with, turned it red. Six men were killed that night by one tribe and were cooked and eaten right there at the spring. The next night, the tribe that was defeated, they brought the wives of those men that were killed. They killed them and ate the wives. What a place to take your wife and child. In March of 1859, six months after they arrived, he buried his wife and son who died of fever. Stunned by this dreadful loss, he said, but for Jesus, I'd have gone mad. In 1864, he married again. He learned the language. He reduced it to written form. And he taught the people. And there on that island that he went to initially. 3,500 cannibals received the Lord Jesus Christ. And were converted to him. On Fiji. Almost 80,000 fell under the influence. Cannibals under the influence of the gospel. There were 13,000 members of churches. In Samoa, 34,000 cannibals confessed confess Christ as their savior. He started a college. 206 native preachers and teachers came from that institution. 133 were sent out as missionaries and preachers to other islands to reach the cannibals for Christ. He said, how did all this happen? He said, I owed it to a praying Father, and I would like to add to a faithful son. He was captive to the call of God on his life. There's an initial prayer life that Hannah had in regard to this boy. Then I want you to see another little thing I think is interesting. And this is for those of you who are already giving to missions Faithfully over the years, faith on purpose, faith promise, whatever you want to call it. Hannah purposed continually to give to God. Look at verses 18 and 19. We already read them in chapter 2. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She increased the gift. The gift got bigger. How do you know the gift increased? Because kids grow. Kids grow. Now, we got three boys up here. Uh, maybe a few three guys could come and stand. You're taller than me, so stand on that second step. Do it today because we want to get out of here by 11, okay? Are you taller than him? Yes. Alright, get up there. And you stay down here. Now here, this, this young man would represent a kid or an individual, a family, just getting involved in faith promise missions. Now if I gave him this coat, <laughs> you gave too much son. You shouldn't do that. And you can see here's, here's this precious woman, Hannah, sees her boy once a year she comes up with a coat this coat maybe this would you know as as they grow as they get bigger that coat would get bigger and this wouldn't this is too small for him not this way but this way every year every year he was just a little lad when he went and every year as he grew there'd be a coat And I'm sitting, sit down fellas. Every year, this, this is no time in the history of missions to cut back. This is a time to increase, to increase our faith, to be interested in doing more. Listen, needs grow. Missions grow. Um, missionaries need to get raises. You know, I know missionaries been on the field 30 years. Somebody gave them $20 a month. They're still giving them $20 a month. My soul. Don't you think, listen, uh, uh, gallon of gas costs more than it did in, uh, 1953. When my wife and I were in Bible school, they had a gas war in Pontiac, Michigan. We could buy gas for fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen cents a gallon. A gallon. Five dollars, you could fill your car and your trunk up. I mean, just too much. You can you can't buy if you bought you go to a gas station, I like to buy sixteen cents. You couldn't even get it out of the parking lot. Think it's grown. Needs grow. Why? There are more people in the world. I th- someone said, uh, one of the other speakers said. I think we've uh, gone over 9 billion people on this planet. Do you realize when America, excuse me, when the world hit 1 billion, that was more people than had been born from Noah to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. There hadn't even been a billion people born in all of that length of time. And we didn't hit a billion population Until I was a baby in 1949. That's when it hit. Now we have. Eight to nine billions. Of souls. Who will spend. Eternity. Somewhere. You and I know where they'll go. If they die without Jesus Christ. We have. We have many more avenues of reaching people. We have tracks and. And Bibles in various language. You know, there's... I don't know how many different language languages uh, there are that Bibles, uh, you know, good Bibles with, them, you know, the right... You're never... That's the Word of God, that King James Bible. Period. And these others, they work at it, they try, but they're never going to quite... They're not going to match that book right there. That's the Word of God. But I... in. In the 1800s. I read a book. That your dad gave me. I, I borrowed it from him. I borrowed two books from him. And when I didn't give it back to him. Two or three years. we were He was offended. Or mad. One of the two. And finally I did get it back to him. Thank God. But that book was written in the 1800s. There were like. Seven or, I don't remember, It's a huge number. Thousands and thousands of Bibles had been printed in more languages of the world than there are right now. It's amazing to me. We need to increase our giving because things have increased. Then, this is a great blessing, and I read this too. Um, Hannah received fivefold from... From her heavenly father. How many uh how many boys did she send to work for Eli, somebody on the front row? How many, how many boys? What? One. She sent one boy. You know what she got? She got five other kids. She got three sons and two daughters. If I looking at that, right? Three sons and two daughters. It increased the impact. Of the gift. She got more. And listen you're not going to. It's a, such a trite saying. You are not going to out give God. Yeah. It's impossible. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Heaped up. Pressed down. Shaken together. Shall God give. I mentioned. Uh, my. He was my best friend. In my life. Died at the age of 50 of cancer, Christmas morning, uh, 1999. A long time ago. He told me, he told me one time, he, he became very wealthy. And my dad, I don't know why my dad was doing it. And we had moved away. And my dad was trying to raise the money. He didn't want to take a, a, they wanted to give him a raise. And he didn't want to take it. And so he said, what I want the church to do is uh give me a hundred dollars a week and put it away in an investment and i'll have it you know when i get old and all that and so he you know and here most of the guys in the church in those days and the church ran close to 400 in those days and they all worked at general motors and they all had wonderful retirements you know those guys make a lot when my father-in-law retired from general motors uh my goodness a long long time ago uh, he got $3,500 a month, uh, in, as a retired man. And, and my wife's m- mother, she worked, uh, for the state of Michigan, and I don't know how, they, they lived well, uh, back then. And you, uh, you know, if I had, they probably made $60,000 a year retired. I don't make that much preaching. <laughs> I wished I did, but I, you know, I gotta get, go to better places or something. I don't know go to better places you get more money i guess i don't know but uh he, he uh, my friend was there in the meeting and he, and he was very wealthy obviously a millionaire and it wasn't going very good and so my dad said i tell you what i'm going to do i'm just going to put 50 dollars away myself of what you're giving me and i don't know how we're going to get the other 50 and my friend raised his hand and said preacher i'll give you 50 dollars a week He went to work the next day. He had overbid a job. He didn't want it. He was too busy. He called me on the phone and told me this on Tuesday uh, after Sunday. He said, I overbid this job. I gave $50 a week to the preacher, your dad. He loved my dad. My dad loved him. He said, I overbid the job. I made clear profit, $630,000. That's pretty good on a a 50-buck-a-week thing, I've never made $630,000 in a year myself either. <laughs> Let alone in a day. You can't out give the Lord. It's impossible. There was a man who went to my dad's church named Lyle Williams. And, uh, he was, he was the church treasurer, really his wife was, and she was the secretary, my dad's secretary forever. But my dad one time, he <laughs> took up an offering, he said, I want everybody to give something. So he's scratching around, and he doesn't have any money in his pocket. And so he said to Lyle, he said, do you have any money, Lyle? And Lyle said, well, I got a dollar. And so he said, would you give me the dollar so I can put it in the offering plate and you see if you can find some back through there to put in. (laughs) So my dad put the dollar in. Now I didn't know this, and he didn't tell it. His wife told this way, I mean, probably 10 years ago or so. This is another wonderful thing to think about. They had they had two daughters. Uh, Lorinda was one. She was I don't know. I doubt if she ever got saved. She's dead, isn't she? I don't know. I saw her at uh, someone's funeral, at Mrs. Williams' funeral. But uh, she was bad girl. And you uh, had another girl named Helen Fay. She's a wonderful lady. Had some difficulties in her life, but uh, she was a good girl. They had those two girls and raised them, and they had grandchildren. Most of them didn't even go to church anymore. And so Mrs. Williams, she put on cassette tape her testimony and made one for each one of her grandchildren and great-grandchildren so they could know what God had done in her and her husband's life. That's a valuable thing to leave behind for a child. And uh, she told about that. And she told about, she told about, I didn't know that story. She told about that story on that tape that she left to the kids. And she said that next day or two at work, he worked for Fisher Body. And if you put in a suggestion in and it saved the company some money, they would figure out how much it saved, you know, over a certain amount of time. And then you would get a bonus. That, very, that week, he gave a dollar to my dad to put in the offering. He got a check for something that he had even forgot about for $2,200. Now, this is back in the 60s. $2,200 would be pretty nice today. But, you know, way back then, it was like a gold mine. He gave a dollar and got $2,200. i am saying, that may not work for you. But it sure worked for them. They increased the gift. And God returned it her five-fold wonderful treasure. I think, Brother John, I hate calling him John or Johnny. You know, I should call him Brother Green. But who in the world wants to call your kid brother, Brother Green? But John, I think he has a book on the back table called The Price of a Coconut. I came across that book, I don't know, 40 years ago. I reprinted it. They reprinted it. They print it now. There's a story of a man by the name of O.L. King. And O.L. King was from Indiana. And uh he'd gotten converted. But when he was a little boy, they would only go to town. They lived way out in the country. They would only go to town like once a month. Well, they went one year at Christmas time. And each one of the kids was given a dime. This was way back in the 20s. 1920s. 100 years ago probably. Matter of fact, I got permission to write that. Or reprint that book by his granddaughter. I had to track her down. But anyway. So he went. To uh, this little country town. And the year before. His mom and dad for Christmas had given. Him and his siblings for Christmas, an apple, a piece of coconut, and something else. I can't remember. Do you remember what it was, John? Maybe it was a piece of chocolate. That's all they got. Those three things. Well, the very first thing he tasted was that co- coconut. He, I mean, he loved it. And so he traded the other little things that he got, the apple and orange. Apple and orange. They, he traded that. And so he got all the coconut. He ate all the coconut. He loved it. Just a piece of coconut. So when he got that dime, he was going to town. And he could buy. He had seen it before. You could buy a coconut for 10 cents. He's going to have a whole coconut to himself. Get to eat it all. And so he was. He had gone into this store. A few steps up. Gone to this country store. And he'd walked up. To that coconut, and this is a term he used. He said, the voice of conscience spoke to me and said, don't buy that coconut. And so he, he, he obeyed that voice in the depths of his soul. And he, what should I buy? And there was on the, there was on the counter a little, little Bible. And he bought that little Bible. It was 10 cents. He bought that and he walked out of the, He's walked out of that store and he's coming down the steps of that store and a kid made a snowball and threw it and hit him in the face. And he looked at that kid and he said, why would you, it's Christmas, why would you hit me with a snowball Christmas? And the kid said, what's Christmas? He's more of a country bumpkin than O.L. King was. And he told that kid the story as best one kid could tell it to another, of Christmas. And he said that voice of conscience said, give him, your, give him that Bible. And he gave that kid that Bible. So basically, in essence, he got nothing for Christmas. Years passed. O.L. King went off to Bible school, graduated, was asked to come preach someplace out in the country. He said he went out to this place, to the preachers, a lot of people, their place was packed. He said that the windows were open. There were people standing outside in know, country church. He said he walked in there. He said, my goodness, there were bullet holes. And uh, it was just a mess. And he walked in there and he he preached. And seemed like nothing really happened. Interesting or, you know, effective. And when he, he started to walk out, he was walking down the aisle. And there was a boy, a young man sitting there. And he said, that voice of conscience spoke to me. He said, there's the price of your coconut. And that little fella, that that man, he was was a grown man now. He had had a little New Testament in his hand. And O.L. stopped he said, where did you get that coconut? Where did you get that Bible? He said, oh, he said, I was a kid. He said, one day I threw a snowball, hit this guy in the face, and he gave me that Bible. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, nobody in our family could read it but my mother. He said, my mother would read it out loud. And he said, one day, my mom was reading it. And she got down on her knees, put both hands up in the air, and began to talk through the ceiling. We didn't know what was going on. She's talking to the ceiling. She said she got up and shouted and praised God and rejoiced said, my father said, what's going on? She said, I want you to read. She read that portion to him about getting saved. He said, my dad got down on his knees and started lifted his hands and started talking through the ceiling. He said, matter of fact, in this building today, it was either 76 or 67. I don't remember. It's in the book. He said every single person, there were 60 or 70 of them that saved in this building was led to Christ out of that little Bible that I got from that boy who I threw a snowball in his face and God said, there's the price of your coconut. O.L. King got called to the mission field in the Caribbean, tropical island. When he got down there, to make a long story short, His home, piece of property he lived on, was a 40 acre coconut grove. You can't outgive God. You couldn't put too much in the offering plate to help a missionary go to the Navajos or help my brother John travel the country and reach people and get the gospel out and print Bibles. You can't give too much. I've been given to faith promise missions. I'll probably tell you about it tomorrow. Since her and I were just kids, she didn't go to Bible school. She worked so I could go. And I worked too, by the way. We were just kids, 21, 22 years old I was. She was 13, I don't know. (laughs) I'm trying to, you know, I got to go home with her, you know. (laughs) Got to be nice. But we've been given a long time. And God has blessed us. And God has taken care of our every need. Best I know, I don't know a nickel to anybody today. Not a penny. God's been good. And it'd be good to you. Listen, if God can't supply your needs, he's a liar. And he's not. He'll, he'll help you to do it. He'll give you grace to do it. And you know, I don't know how they do it here. It's not like you're going to get dunned at the end of the year if you haven't given what you said you would give. You know, you don't take it out of your hide. But if you give to God, I can promise you on the authority of that book up there, God will supply your needs, God will take care of you, and God will bless you abundantly. Amen. Father, we thank you for these few minutes this morning, Saturday morning. I don't suppose there's too many Baptist churches haven't church on Saturday morning. So perhaps we could have your full attention today. You'd speak to the hearts of people. Put it in their heart. Those of us have been given to missions to increase our giving. Those that haven't. It could be their initial gift. They could just get started. And that thing of trusting God. And giving to reach people around the world, thank you for speaking to our hearts. I thank you for doing in me what you've done in me this morning. Just being here, I pray you, I pray the offering, the promise, the on-purpose giving, would abundantly meet the needs. Of those that are supported by this church and those that will be taken on. In Jesus name. Amen. I was, I had a preacher call me the other day. I think your pastor knows him. He pastors in Elgin, Illinois. Brother Phil Kavanaugh. They had their mission conference just, I don't know, a month or so ago, six weeks ago. He said, he said, Lord put it on my heart to raise Every missionary, we give every missionary we had a raise. I think it's a $50, $75 a month raise. Every single one of them. And it amounted to $50,000 more than they'd been given. And that church gives a lot. I think they probably give, I don't know, three hundred, four hundred thousand. 400000 Maybe they give a million. I don't know. It's a big church. He said, so we raised, gave everybody, sent it to them. Uh, uh, $50,000 raise across the board. He said, when we took the faith promise, it was over $50,000 more than we had given. in God, if you give, God will give. It's just that simple. Give, and it shall be given unto you.